All right, as we get ready to open the word, we're going to open in prayer. But, you know, I've been really been thinking, that word really touches me that we just sang, you know, God, fill us, melt us, mold us, use us the way he wants. I've really been thinking a lot about re- the need for revival and the needs to start in churches. And if you've done any kind of study at all on the history of revival, which I've done a little bit on, all the great revivals start with prayer in churches. So... We're going to be looking at probably starting prayer for revival right in our church at various times, a couple of times a month, um, because I want to see revival. I want to see it start here in Chloride. would be really nice, but at least in our county and in our state would be wonderful. Um, but the, the great revival of the, 17, of the 1800s started in a little town called Stockbridge, Massachusetts, and the town was not much bigger than our town. It wasn't a dead end on the way to nowhere, <laughs> but it was a very small town. So we want to really want to start looking at that and praying for that, uh, because I'm just really seeing the need for revival and hoping that God will accomplish that. Let's go ahead and open in prayer. Lord, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for how much you love us and care for us. We look at the, as we look at your word today, we ask you to bless this, and we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Third John, verse 12. And it reads, Demetrius has a good report among all men and of the truth itself. Yea, and we also bear record, and you know that our record is true. I have many things to write, but I will not with ink and pen write unto you. But I trust I shall shortly see you, and we shall speak face to face. Peace be with you. Our friends salute you. Greet the friends by name. I want to just look at this. We've talked about several different groups. We've talked about Gaius, who had a great report as their leader. We talked about... uh, let me get his name right, because I always mess it up. Uh, yes. Diotrephes. <laughs> and he had the bad report. He was the one that wanted to be the man. He wouldn't even let John's letters be read in the church. He wouldn't let John be presented to the church. And anybody who was visiting, he didn't let them get involved with the church. And so he was not good. And now he talks about this man, um, Demetrius. We have no idea who he is. This is the only place in the scripture where this person is mentioned. But he says, this individual has a good report in the church amongst the truth. And John says, even I have good things to say. And I'm thinking about this. If people are talking about us, what is the report they make of us? outside in the church outside the church uh, you know they, they they talk about us with good glowing terms that this person is a good follower of Christ they they you know they might say we're weird and strange outside the church but that's okay if you know if we're not living according to the world standards I expect them to say that we're strange but you know we don't want a negative report saying no oh, this person's bad they're just as bad as everybody else or a hypocrite This individual has a good report amongst the church and outside the church. And he says this person has a good report even of the truth. And I just really want us to think about it. What is basically our testimony? 
our report amongst our family, friends, neighbors? Do our family and friends know that we're Christians? Would they say that we're a good Christian? Now, they may not know what a good Christian is, but they, they will know that we are different. You know, they see us going to church. They might see us carrying our Bible, hopefully, <laughs> once in a while. Getting a little harder in this day and age when a lot of people carry their Bibles in their phones and people don't realize they're carrying a Bible. But, you know, do your neighbors know that you're a Christian? Do your neighbors know that you are different from the rest of the world? Does your family and friends know that you're a Christian and that you're different from, from them? And this is something that's very important for us. When we're in a crowd, do they know that we're not going to participate in the things of the world? I remember going to many managers' meetings and all the managers were drinking everything, and I'd go, no, I'm not interested in drinking, I'm not interested in dancing at these parties, I'm not interested in all these things you were trying to do because I just had no interest in it. And I'm going, well, you're just being a goody two-shoes. I'm going, that's okay. I'm not interested in doing all of that. And this is a good thing, you know, not to be hyper-spiritual, not to be, you know, irritating, but are we truly, honestly just saying, I'm not interested? And this is something that's very important for us. If Christ is living in us, he's going to change our life and come out of us. And the report that he has of this man is, he has a good report. Which means, in general, he was obeying God's word. And people were noticing. He says, you have a good report of the people and of the truth. And then he goes, and of me. And we just want us to think about that. What is the report that people have of you? And if you have a bad report amongst people, talk to God. <laughs> and start changing <laughs> that report. Uh, I know lots of people that have a report that says, well, you know, they're just like the rest of the world. They're, they say they're a Christian, but, you know, they're just as bad. They're, they're, their language is just as bad. They're drinking just as much. They're using just as much drugs. They're using just as much, you know, uh, whatever it might be. And that is a negative thing, and we want to be careful with it. And it's not because we're self-righteous or better than them. It's just that God is changing who we are are. And I've said this many times, are you closer to God and walking closer to God to more today, better today than you were last year, a decade ago? If not, look at your life and ask God, why not? If you are, praise God, you're growing. And it's very important for us to grow in Christ because it is him that changes us. You know, I love it when I look back and say, God, you're making so many changes. I love it when I look at somebody and I say, wow, God, you have really changed that person. And you go, wow, look at all the changes in that person. You know, are you going to be perfect? Absolutely not. But you look and say, wow, God, what changes? And your family looks at you and says, wow, what changes? I think you're crazy, but what changes you've made in your life? You know, and the world does look at us and they think we're nuts. They think we're crazy. We're not going out drinking. We're not doing the drugs. We're not doing all these things. And they go, I don't understand. How, how can you have fun? And it's like, I just love being with God. You know, just getting into his word, studying, being with his people. You know, doesn't mean we can't do anything. You know, we can be out there playing sports. We can be out there doing all kinds of things with them. But as I've said, we need friends that are unsaved. Otherwise, we have nobody to witness to. <laughs> 
Okay, get out there and do things with people that aren't saved. But don't be so friendly with the unsaved that they become your best friend and drag you into their lifestyle. Okay, your, your unsaved person probably shouldn't be your, your best friend. <laughs> All right, uh, because you will probably be drugged into whatever they're doing if, you're, if they're your best friend. But you need friends that aren't saved. And I'm going to tell you, it's pretty tough. The longer you walk with God, the harder it is to have friends that aren't saved. You know, it's just the way it is. I spend so much time around the church that most of my friends are church people. In one sense, I praise God that I work out at the prison because I get contact with a lot of unsaved people. All right? So work is where I get to talk to people that aren't Christians and show them that Christ is different. But we need to be able to do these things and share with people. And he says, Demetrius has a good report. Now, I kind of wonder who he was. I don't know if he was a deacon, just somebody he picked up. Obviously, the church he was writing to, they knew who it was. You know, it could be like us saying, John, John has a good report. You know, and it's like, we would know who we're talking about, but you know, somebody else is going to go, who's that? <laughs> you know, okay, somebody good, somebody good in their church. You know, and here we have this man having a good report. And I just want us to look at, pray about who this good report, a good testimony, an approved testimony. And we look at this and, and we say this, and he says, I have a good report of him, and I know that, our, and you know that what I say is true. Now, John has this testimony himself that what he says to the people is true. Now, sometimes pastors and leaders say some hard things to people. Now, and I'm sure I've stepped on a few toes in this church of people <laughs> over, the, over the years, not necessarily meaning to, but when you teach the truth, you're, you're going to step on toes. You know, give you a little secret, I step on my own toes every once in a while because some of the times when I'm going through these, they're, they're as much to me as they are to you. But you know, we look at this and say, God, I want to take those truths and I want to apply them. Now, if we leave the church just because our toes get stepped on, we're going to be walking around churches and bouncing around churches every couple years and get tired of it because it's, if it's God's message coming in, he's going to hit things that we have problems with. And we want to be very careful that we don't just take off. All right, I heard something I didn't like him saying that. You know, it's, it's, it's my personal sin. Or why was he preaching against me? I know he was doing it on purpose. <laughs> you know, he was watching me. Somebody told him. <laughs> well, somebody did mention it. It was the Holy Spirit. <laughs> okay. But, you know, I've been, I've been there. I've been in churches where the pastor's been talking about something that was my problem. And it's like, wow. God, what's going on here? What's going on? But it's just a challenge for us to grow. And John is saying, my testimony is true. Then as he closes out his, this epistle, he says, I have many things to write, but I will not with ink and pen write unto you. John is basically saying, I've got lots to give you. <laughs> Now, Paul gave a, in a couple of his letters the same way. I've got a lot more to tell you, but I'm going to wait till I get there. Uh, now, that was a very short letter. You know, 3rd John is a very short letter, so he could have written a whole lot more and not even made it a long letter. 
But he's going, I have so much more, but I don't want to put it in, in writing. Now, why didn't he want to put it in writing? There's a couple of things it might be. One of the things about putting something in writing is your heart does not come across in it. Your attitude doesn't necessarily come across it. You, know, you, could, you could write something on there and your whole attitude is love and compassion and people don't read it that way. You know, it could be all those who don't know Jesus are going to hell and you write those words out and you, know, you could be saying, everyone who doesn't know Jesus goes to hell or you could be saying, I just want you all to know that everybody that doesn't know Jesus is headed to hell and I hope you hear the difference between those two but if you wrote it out they don't know what your heart is on that and he's saying I don't want to put it in ink and pen because I want you to know my heart now, I learned the hard way way back when I was a manager be careful what you write <laughs> you know, because I put something on paper that I thought sounded good <laughs> But people weren't reading it the same way <laughs> that I tried to put it in. So I can understand John saying, I'm going to be very careful. I don't want to put <laughs> my, some of the words that I have because I don't want you to misunderstand them. And he says, I've got a lot to tell you. you know, how many of us have got a lot to tell somebody sometimes? You know, we want to talk to a friend or a neighbor or a family member, and we want to just be careful how it comes across. We want to be very careful because sometimes writing it is not the best way. And John's basically saying, I'm not going to put it on paper. I have, who knows what it is he wanted to tell them. <laughs> we know that this is one of, the, one of the last letters being made. We talked about that early on. So John is being very careful. We know that they're facing uh, persecution and problems. And he's saying, I have so much I want to tell you. I have so much to encourage you about. And if he's going to encourage them about the persecution coming, you probably want it to be very soft. You know, and this is what I'm looking at right now, is in our country, in our nation, people are getting very upset with Christians. They're starting to say very nasty things all over the place, usually behind pseudonyms on the internet and whatever, so people don't know who it is. But there's a nastiness going toward Christians right now. We need a revival. And if we don't have a revival, God's going to bring judgment upon this country. And if you can go through the Old Testament, you see that that's exactly what happens when a nation turns from God. He brings judgment upon them. And if they do not repent, he will bring them into some form of captivity. We are looking at that right now if this country doesn't repent. And tonight's study in, in Amos is going to be talking about repentance and turning back to God and watching his repentance be given to those. And he says, if you don't repent, I'm going to bring you into captivity. And if you know your history, they did not repent and they went into captivity. Right now, our country stands in that kind of junction. Either this nation repents of its sin and turns to God, or God will turn away from our nation. And our nation deserves to be punished because of how far we've gone from God's rules and laws. And it's going to take us as Christians praying for our nation. Us as Christians lifting up God and asking him to move and asking for revival to start. Chronicle says, if my people who are called by my names will humble themselves and 
pray, I will hear from heaven. We need to be able to start praying and listen, have God listen and hear. And we want this to happen, or at least I want it to happen. <laughs> I hope you want it to happen too. One side of me says, okay, God, let's just get over with, get this over with, and we'll have the tribulation, and we'll all go home. That sounds good to me. You know, but by the same token, I have a grandson. I'd like him to live in a Christian environment and grow up in a Christian environment. We want to see these things, but yet at the same time, on the other side of me says, God, let's just go home. <laughs> let's get it over with. Let's move on. And John is here saying, I know what I'm talking about, and I just want to give this to you. And then as he closes his letter, he says, I trust I shall shortly see you and shall speak with you face to face. Peace be to you. Our friends salute you. Greet the friends by name. He says, I hope to be there soon. <laughs> now, what that meant, I don't know. At this point, we know that John is pretty old. He's the bishop of Ephesus. He's in charge of Ephesus and all the churches in that area. This is probably one of his churches that he's writing to. And he says, I'm, I'm hoping to come and see you. Now, how old he was at this time, we don't know. He died, he died of old age. Not because he hadn't tried to kill him. He was the only one of the apostles who did not die a martyr. And uh, through history, we know they, that Rome tried to boil him in oil. They tried to poison him. They sent him to Patmos, which was the criminally, criminally insane island where they hoped the criminally insane would kill him. And all these things he got out of and got to die of old age. All the other apostles died a martyr's death. And this is something that's so amazing. You know, when God brings trials to the church, many times we may die to give the testimony to him. The question is, are we ready to stand with God in spite of whatever happens? And you know what? You know, we, we want to think about this. We don't know whether we will stand when the, when the time comes. But the one thing I can tell you for sure is God will make the grace available to you to stand. If you're being expected to face extreme pain and, and trials, God will put the grace in front of you to deal with it and allow it. And this is true. I've seen it over and over in my life, over and over in other people's lives, where they, whatever they go through, the grace is given to them to go through whatever it is that they're facing. Understand, the Bible tells us that everything we go through is common to men. You know, 1 Corinthians 10.13, There hath no temptation overtaken us, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer us to be tempted above that which we are able, but will, with the temptation, provide a way of escape. Everything we go through, number one, is common. How many times does Satan come along and say, you're terrible, you're awful, nobody else has this problem? Okay, we've all been there. Well, I must be terrible, I must be awful, because I'm having this problem, and I don't know of anybody else who has this problem. If we believe that, we're being lied to. Because the scriptures say, all is common. And if you don't want to believe that one, at least believe Ecclesiastes that says there's nothing new under the sun. 
You know, it's an amazing thing that everything that happens has happened before. Maybe not in the same exact way, but the temptations are always the same. They're presented the same in various ways, but they're the same temptations. You know, over and over again. And it's so funny when you read the scriptures and you go, wow, if I was changing these names to something to, in today's world, I could be reading today's newspaper and looking at what was going on. Nothing is new. Nothing has changed. You read through and you see the political corruption in the Bible and you think about, wow, you know, it's not new. We see the bribery that's going on. We see the theft that's going on. We see the violence going on and the, the murders and all of that. And we go, wow, look at all this stuff. It's just like today. Then it tells us that God is faithful and will give us a way of escape. Now our way of escape is turning to Jesus. Turn to him and he will give us our escape. Without him, we will fail. With him, we can pass and probably will pass if we just trust him. When we fail, it's because we fail to trust him. So we want to be able to look at this and say, God, you are faithful. God, you are going to help me. And just be ready. When things seem to get bad in your life, turn to God. It is a wonderful feeling when you say, when you look at what's going on in your life and you go, we have two choices when something bad is going on. We can get all depressed. God, you know, what an awful day I'm having. What an awful week. What an awful month. What an awful year. What an awful decade. God, what an awful life I'm having. <laughs> it's really that bad. Or we can be going, God, I really don't understand what you're doing, but I trust you. I trust you. And I've shared with you many times, I'll talk to God and say, God, I don't understand any of this, but I know you've got a plan. I don't understand, God, why this happened, why that happened, why whatever it might be happened. But I know you have a plan. When I wrecked my car, it was like, okay, God, don't understand this. Didn't want another day off this early in the year, but, <laughs> you know, you've got a plan. You've got something going on. When we go through things, are we looking at God and saying, God, I trust you? Or are we getting like the world, just getting, well, you're just having a really bad week, you're having a really bad string of bad luck. You know, how can all these bad things be happening to you? And you're going, God has a plan. God is sovereign. And we look at this and we say, God, thank you. <laughs> thank you for your love. Thank you for what you're trying to teach me. Thank you for teaching me to just to trust you. And I'm going to give you a little secret. The closer you get with God and the longer you walk with God, the harder those problems are going to be. Because he's going to say, do you trust me at this new, higher level? When you first become saved, you know, your, your troubles and trials are hard at the time, but you look back and say, whoa, that was an easy trial. It was, wasn't too bad, you know, when we look back on it five, ten years later and going, how come all my troubles aren't like they were back then? Well, because we've grown a lot, and God is saying, okay, you're not taking a kindergarten test anymore. You're taking, you know, a junior high test. You're taking a high school test. You're taking your test for your doctorate. You've been following me long enough that I want you to see if you're ready to do something really hard. And this is the way it's going to be. All of these tests 
are hard for wherever you're at. Now, if you're a kindergarten level thing, he's not going to give you something from a doctorate level because you die. <laughs> okay. Uh, if you're a kindergarten student who doesn't even know how to spell his name and, and all of a sudden you're given advanced calculus test, you're going to you'll go crazy. Now, if you're a high school student and you're given a, a test on mathematics saying 1 plus 1 equals and 3 plus 3 equals, you're going to look at the instructor and say, what are you, you know, what is this? The test God gives us is equivalent to where we are with him. So don't be surprised when you face a test that seems hard for where you're at. And don't compare your test to somebody else's test. Because their test is equivalent for where they are at, not where you're at. And John here is saying, I'm coming. I want to see you. He says, I want to be there shortly. I want to speak to you. And he says, be peace be unto you. You know, and we've covered this word peace. The word peace literally means the tranquil state of a soul who is resting in Christ and has no fear of eternity and is content whatsoever state they're in. Why? Because our trust is in God. How much peace can we have when our trust is in God? God gives us a peace that passes understanding because our peace is in him and what he can do. And you know what? I serve a very powerful God. If I have my peace in him, there's nothing that can come my way that he can't take care of. Now, do we always have that full faith and trust in his peace? I wish we did. I wish that I did. But, you know, we can learn to have it more and more. When we go through hard times, we go, God, I'm just going to rest in you. God, I'm very sore this morning, but I'm going to rest in you. God, I don't feel really good, but I'm going to rest in you. God, I don't understand why everything's falling apart today, <laughs> but I'm going to rest in you. And let God's plan work out. He says, greet the brothers, the friends by name, he goes, just greet each other by name. How do, you, how do you greet somebody by name? Hopefully you know them well enough to greet them by name. Now, it's kind of interesting sometimes in churches where you don't know people. You know, uh, you know, I used to go to church, and I used to be very a loner. I would go to church, and I knew nobody's name. I never said hello to anybody, and you know what? Nobody ever said hi to me either. It's pretty amazing that nobody says hi to you if you don't ever go out and say hi. But the minute I started learning to go out and say hi to people, it was amazing how many people talked back to me and how many other people would come up to me. Learn to just be friendly and talk to people once in a while. It's important for us to get to know each other. You know, and it would be nice to get to know each other here on earth. We're going to spend eternity with each other. If you're saved, we're going to spend eternity with each other. You know, and I don't want to get to know everybody in eternity. I'd like to know at least some people when I get to eternity <laughs> you know, ahead of time. But, you know, we're to greet one another. We're to love one another. We're to lift one another up. And John here is saying, greet. Greet one another. Build one another up. Allow the word of grace 
to becoming. And our goal is to love one another. Not to criticize one another, not to attack one another. We are to give grace to one another. And I've told you so many times, you know, I have seen more people in four decades of walking with God get, get changed by God's grace than by giving them rules and laws. If we pound a whole bunch of rules and laws into people, it doesn't really do much good. They'll become self-righteous. They'll become somebody who puts a show on. But we give them grace, God starts coming into their life. And God changes who they are. Now, I don't know about you, but you know, most of my life has been just letting God change me. I just say, God, I, I can't do it. I'm just going to let you do it. And the next thing you know, I'm doing what I said I couldn't do. God, I just can't give that up. And the next thing you know, we're following God and living for him and seeing him change who we are. And I love it. God changes us. He comes in. He lives in us. And he changes us. And we just want to look at this. Do we know God? I hope everybody in this room knows God. I know the testimony of most of you say you do. Uh, but, you know, we get people that uh, listen to these things on the Internet as well. So I'm just going to say, you know, we need to know God. We need to recognize that we are sinners. And this I'm going to give you is when you talk to your family, friends, neighbors who don't, don't know God, the first step is they have to recognize they're a sinner. You know, the f only way you ever get over any sin is, number one, to recognize that there, it's a problem in your life. You know, God, I have this sin. Until you recognize it, you won't know that you need Jesus. We recognize that we're a sinner, and we recognize that God says sin must be dealt with, and his dealing with sin is to spend eternity in hell. Jesus came and died on the cross to pay for our sins. And he says, you call on him, you repent, and you accept his sacrifice, and you're saved. And he comes and lives in you. What a wonderful thing. And then when they, when they get to say the prayer and ask Jesus to come in their heart, we get to really start then doing our job and teaching them to follow him. We want those things to happen. We want to see people saved. Let's close in prayer. Lord, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for how much you love and care for us. Lord, we just love the way you deal with us in all that we do, and we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.